Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in wherever you are around Australia or around the world. Really do appreciate the time that you take out of your day, your week, or your month to uh, listen to one, two, or 10 of our episodes. There's about 230 of them, so there's plenty to listen to, some great interviews. And if you want to catch up with your week in golf, well, this is always a great place to start. Thanks for joining us. I've got Mike Creedy, Magic Mike Creedy, as he's commonly known, amongst the golfing cohort in Melbourne. Uh, he's waiting to join us. Um, he's got the data lake full and he is full of fire uh, coming at us with a whole heap of information. Let's bring him in. Magic Mike, I can't wait for the day that someone fails you up in a coffee shop in the inner west of Melbourne where you are frequent um, and just you know tap you on the shoulder and say, are you Magic Mike in the inner west of Melbourne? I can't wait for that day to happen. If someone can do that, I'll buy them that coffee. <laughs> uh, I'd probably buy them a coffee. Um... No, I, I I did play I, I did play with um I've forgotten his name now uh, I only spoke to him not long ago he's living down the, down Geelong way now uh, a former member of Mount Durham at Golf Course Golf Club and I think we figured out I think on the twelfth hole I started talking about new drivers and if he needed a new driver he should obviously go down to Drummond in Melbourne he's like oh yeah yeah Ross Flanagan I said yeah Ross he goes yeah I listen to his podcast <laughs> I was like do you. And then you saw this penny drop in his head. He's like, you're Magic Mike. I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That um, was very funny. Mike, are you full of fire? This, I, I said there in the, in the, in the intro that uh, full of fire. Is that true? Are you full of fire? Uh, I'm not full of fire. I think um, it's been a, it's a pretty soft few weeks of, of golf to watch. There's not uh, yet yeah, the, the women's LPGA major last week. You had the big live event in Adelaide and you had a, um, they'll they'll probably the two biggest um attended events, um or the biggest in our world, and then yeah yeah the pairs event in New Orleans and the Mexico event this week on PJ Tour, which is kind of like a couple of weeks of um not much going on. So I don't know, been sort of been um hanging hanging around the badlands of Twitter socials, having to deal with or listen to or block or mute at least people that I don't want to listen to. Um, but that's been it. How do you? How do? You, sorry, I'll start again. Um, how do you handle Twitter there with that type of activity? As I've mentioned before, you know, it's probably one of the social media forms that I've stayed away from uh, for a while. You know, I've got personal Twitter account at Arflan. You can follow it there if you want to see. Surprisingly, uh, where I post videos and pictures that I've taken, um, pretty much is what I put there. Uh, you can see that, and uh, some people really like that. There's a certain level of the golfing community that love that sort of stuff and and share that around which is great uh, we've obviously got the my love of golf twitter handle uh there which we sort of use sporadically um but you're obviously fairly active you know you've got your tour tips and all of that sort of stuff that you do and all the people that you are in your sort of network how do you handle that sort of bad vibe because what i do know is since i started engaging in twitter and reading a little bit more twitter mm. there's plenty of bad vibes out there with twitter yeah oh definitely um for me, I I find it pretty easy to I'll use a non golf example to start with. Um, I don't think this is going to be controversial for a golf podcast. Hope not. Otherwise, you can edit this out later. Um, around the time of you know peak COVID, the last thing, we all spent a lot of time inside and probably a lot of time on social media. The last thing I had any interest in engaging in were people that were anti-vax. And I literally just muted or blocked 
anyone that would talk about that stuff. So mm. it literally just removed it all from the feed, which was great. So golf is no different or any other part of your life. I think I think social media is something that we all sometimes take for granted because it is a, an amazing invention and we all use it. A lot of us use it every day, multiple different platforms. But it's also something that's got a lot of power. So it, it can really, um, as much as you engage with it, it will very much impact your mind, the way that you look at things. Not, And I'm, I don't mean from a social point of view. I mean like just the way you're feeling in yourself. Like you can see stuff on there that can be quite frustrating or upsetting or, you know, happy. You know, like there's, there's good and bad ways that it affects you. So, um, yeah, for me, I, I'm pretty pretty much follow the people that I want to follow and um, and don't mean it to sound like an echo chamber that I'm only getting the stuff that I want to hear. It's more just I'll definitely have got people that I don't agree with, but I don't necessarily follow them. Um, but I'll read their bits and pieces here and there. I find it's very easy to start a Twitter fight, you know, like if oh, yeah. uh, it's probably no softer way. I don't like using harsh terms like fight. I love another fighter, but it's, re- it's really easy to um, be taken out of context or say yeah. the wrong thing and just start a rabbit hole of, of negativity, um, which is not yeah. probably not a great place to, to no. be. That's why I like posting photos and videos. I've um, yeah. got golf no, drones. But the thing with Twitter that you have to remember, and I think I got into a, I won't say a, an argument, I'll say a back and forth with someone on the My Love um, of Golf account um, maybe a few months ago. There are people out there that literally just like picking fights or trying to be pretending to be controversial. Most of them have seven, maybe eight followers. Um, every single tweet, if you go and look at their feed, is having a dig at something and that's just what they do that's how they enjoy social media um i don't necessarily block those people straight away i just pay no attention to it or just don't engage it at all um yeah i think uh i think there's a famous quote not a famous quote but there's, a, there's someone i think it's um the bloke who does morning radio here in melbourne ross stevenson always says no one ever changed their mind by ways of an argument and that's pretty factual when it comes to to twitter now um yeah, well, we're talking about Twitter, and if you if you get here for the golf results and you're saying at home by now saying get to the golf results, get to the <laughs> golf chat, um, we'll get to that in a second. But you know, we were talking a little bit offline, and it came up in the Discord today. Uh, the tweet, uh, the little Barney, I guess if you could call it that. I'm not sure yeah. if that's a bit too too um, too over the top between uh, our Phil and uh, Colt Nost. Yes, and it was on a topic that uh, you and I had, I guess, a discussion with at length. It's Obviously, not our own. We're not the only ones having a discussion because the whole golf world's having a discussion around the official world golf rankings. Yep. But uh, Phil and Colt got into a, ah, uh, you know, it's just a bit of a back and forth. Yeah, how would you describe what uh, what you what were your outtakes of that? Um, probably a bit like what I said a moment ago. I mean, Colt's a pretty smart guy, um, and he was engaging a, I wouldn't say a Twitter bot. It was certainly just a, a live account. I don't think it was a live. I think it was attached to Live Golf itself, but um, and basically he, the the Live account, as they do, had uh, had spouted off something that uh, Colt had seen to be in a uh, unfactual and unfactual. No, I don't know, not true. I will call it. And um, yeah, basically he decided that he'd say, "Well, you know, tell us, explain how that works." So they got in a little bit of a back back and forward. There was nothing, you know, they weren't arguing or fighting. It was just a bit of a you're wrong, I'm right. Um, and Phil jumped in. Now, I would guess Phil and 
Colt are very good mates. They would have known each other. I mean, Bill's lived in Scottsdale for a long time. I'm pretty sure Colt still plays and lives out there all the time. They both obviously played on tour. Colt obviously nowhere near as long as Phil, but they would have crossed paths a lot. They'd certainly know each other. Um, so, yeah, Phil basically bit back and, again, started pushing his views on why um, the Liv should be getting world golf ranking points. And uh, Colt was basically saying, well, I don't think so effectively and here's why. And they kind of went a bit of back and forward, but I think it was probably more, you know, more a bit of a nothing. It was a bit of a nothing thing. I think the one thing that comes out of those things though is um, is a screen grab, a screen grab of Phil's comeback at, at Colt. And then that becomes something that gets pushed around. You know, it'll be on Instagram. It'll be on Facebook. It'll be on this and that. And it'll be taken as, hey, look at this great way that um, Phil put Colt back in his box. And it's like, well, if you actually go and read it all, that wasn't really the vibe of it. It was, yeah, you can make anything look good with numbers. This official um, world golf rankings discussion, you know, as I said, we had a long discussion about it last week. I'm not an expert. Um, And I'm certainly under no disillusion that, you know, the players, when they went to play at Live you know, knew or had any expectation they were going to get these points straight away. Yeah. I think I think that these world golf ranking points have dragged on a little bit too long now um, for having some of the best players in the world not attracting points for the golf that they're playing. You, what gets you hot under your collar is, you know, some of these opinions coming down the line of, you know, that it seems to be like the PGA Tour are blocking it or the DP World yeah. Tour are blocking it. Yeah. I my, think... position, my position is they should just work it out. Yeah. You know, if the, too many of the best golfers in the world – playing in a competition of golf, it's not within the guidelines that were set out a while ago. Yeah. Um, figure it out, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, what's your position on that? Yeah, well, you're probably right. And um, it, the, these, are the, these are the Twitter things that frustrate me because someone will get, um, someone that follows the shark uh, will see that he's spouting off about, you know, that we should be getting, to live should be getting, um official golf world ranking points today and uh it's a disgrace and it's outdating itself by not giving them to us straight away and so all of a sudden that becomes you know like you know chinese whispers that you know you know that's ridiculous that they don't get it but i think the majority of people actually haven't looked at why they don't get it or how it all works but i mean i'm sure people can correct me if they think i'm wrong and that's great um let me know but i mean effectively the world golf rankings are there to give people access to majors at this level, right? So, at, at, and Tom Powerhorn and I had a really good chat about it when we played with him um, at the Vic Open. And for him, it's different. You know, for someone at that level and that point of their career, being higher up means he gets to a certain stage of tour school rather than starting at stage one, right? So that sort of stuff is super important. At the senior, at the senior, but the top level of the PGA Tour, Live Tour, um, DP World Tour, it really is just about, if I'm at this point, the entry into the PGA Championship, the Open Championship, and the Masters, top 50 at the end of the year, everyone knows it. And that that's what these guys are arguing for, right? So for people that don't know, the short version that I'll try and give you, hopefully it's all factual, is um, effectively Liv, like you said, Liv um, wants those points straight away because obviously they want to ensure that their players are getting into those events because that's important for those guys because... You have to think a lot of them would have gone thinking they were getting him straight away and also that, yes, I can go and do this and I won't play on the PGA Tour or the DP World Tour, but I can still play in the majors because they're what's super important to me. Um, 
the problem is the the official world golf rankings have um, set out rules and regs on how you get them. And it's things like you need a 72-hole event, you need to have a 36, or you need to have a cut, um, you need to have a way to play into the tournament. So it's not about – it's a qualifying into a tournament. It can't be just an invitational, which Liv is. It can't be um, a certain number of people have to play in the events, and it was like 60 or 70, and Liv obviously doesn't have that many people. There was a few majority of key criteria that they weren't they weren't hitting, so they don't get them. Um, and and that was the same for any any anyone else. So if you and I start a golf tour tomorrow, it's no different. Okay, so as a part of that process, they then submit a submission on why they should get points. And I would hazard a guess that when we hear things coming out of live headquarters around how next year will change and how they're going to have a relegation system and how they're going to have people coming up from the Asian tour and how they are going to introduce more teams, you would have to say all of those things will be ticking the criteria of getting World Golf rankings. So I'd be shocked if that's not why they're doing it. And and that's exactly why they should be doing it because then they're, they're ticking those boxes. Now they might get to a point, I would think, and this is probably where you and I would disagree. I get what you're saying about they should get them now, but it, it's been spelled out from the beginning. It's going to take a year to 18 months for this decision to be made. Um, I think it was submitted uh, eight, nine months ago. So it was, I think it was around the open that they wanted to submit for them. Right around the time when they when Liv decided to go and buy, tie into the MENA tour, so the Middle Eastern and Northern African tour, to try and say, well, hey, we're now part of that tour. So now that we're a part of that tour and they already have World Golf ranking points, then we should get points as well. It was a bit of a, a trying to get a dodgy way around it, which didn't work. So um, I think the way that they're heading and what they're trying to do will take them down the path of eventually being ticked to get them. The problem's going to be, um, even when they do get them, even if guys like Cam Smith and DJ are still seen as top 20 golfers in the world, you're only going to have... I'm not being trying to be funny here. How many people play in a live event? It's like 48. 48, yeah. 48, right? You're probably going to have 20 guys, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, right? So you say 20 guys that would sit in the top 100 in the world. And I'm, I'm saying this before maybe 25 that would have been top top 100 in the world even before they went to live, right? So right now they've dropped way out of that. So once that does start and the field is assessed on strength and all the other ways that they assess how many points are given to that event, they will be quite quite low number of points. So you would need someone to do what Taylor Gooch has done in the last few weeks to win back-to-back events to really make a dent in ensuring that he stays in the top top sort of top tier to ensure that he gets into majors that's going to be very interesting um because yeah it seems like Liv wants to do things that are going to give them those those points i don't think they're going to change the fact that they're no um no cut and i don't think they're going to change the fact that the majority of the field is going to be an invitational maybe it'll tick the box that they'll get um them on the plus minus of the guys in and out on the from the um from the asian tour not sure but it's it's it, the biggest thing to remember is as much as and probably Phil, Phil could be right. I'm not saying he's wrong. I don't know. But Phil was very adamant that the reason why it's not happening now is the PGA Tour stopping it. Um, the, the the official World Golf Ranking Council is seven people. Two of them are Keith Pelly from DP World Tour and Jay Monahan from the PGA Tour. And Jay Monahan and, and Keith Pelly have both um, 
taken themselves out of the process of approving whether Lib gets them or not. Now, Phil's probably right. They've got enough strength to say, well, the other people that are on that board do what I want you to do whether I'm here or not. Maybe that's true, but facts are they're not, they've, they've taken themselves out of it. And just for everyone's knowledge, I just pulled up this morning or today, um, the seven people on the board are the chairman um, and the rest are major people, really. So you've got um, Augusta National, DP World Tour, PGA of America, PGA Tour, RNA, USGA, and then um, someone that represents the International Federation of PGA Tours. So, like, without being rude, if you're not getting them, and the crux of it really is you just want them to get into the majors, and the people that are stopping you from getting in are the majors, it doesn't really bode well for, for you getting them. But I don't know. Yeah, there's two sides, two ways to look at that, you know, from the from the lift perspective, you know, you can see if they don't have a seat at the table, you know, they're never going to have any any influence might not be the right word, but they're not going to have a say, you know, and yeah, that cohort are clearly doing what they want, so to speak, I, I guess, I, I don't know. So You mean to live to get a seat at the OWGR table? Yeah. They would never get that. Of course. They, they, they would be, what? they would have to sit under... Why? Why don't they? Why? why well, they represent. A, so, who's representing the Asian Tour? International you know, Federation. The International Asia, Federation. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where they would fit under. So live wouldn't have live. Live will be attached to the Asian Tour, and the Asian Tour would sit under that. Well, still, again, you know, if you think that Greg Norman's being bullish and sprouting off, Greg Norman's never done anything other than that. You know, he's mm. he's always pushed his barrow, and he's rode his boat right to the end of the pier and kept rowing. You know, and You've seen that behavior in leaders all around the world in businesses and that sort of thing. And and that's his way of making the voice heard, making people sort of mm. gather momentum and clearly gather support for what he's trying to trying to get across the line. That's not yeah. wrong. I think that the tricky part, not the tricky part, where he's where he dances a fine line is um like just follow the process of what you need to do and if you'll get them, right? The part that's and I'm not saying change what you everything you're doing. I'm not saying I don't mean it like that. I mean, come to the table with a negotiation. Say, cool, we're not doing the no we, – we have to have no cuts. That's part of our play. We're going to have an invitational for 40. We're going to have eight in and out every week as a part of a program. This ticks your box kind of. Let's negotiate how this is going to work. I would hope that they're doing that in the background because in the foreground, they're just sitting there in social media and every, every interview possible and saying, it's ridiculous that we don't have it yet. We've got the best players in the world and we should be getting them today. I, I think that's where, it, that's where I get like, why do that? So the process, yeah, like they've got a process that's been in existence for a long time. So yeah. change it. Just say, okay, from this date, process has changed. This is how we're doing it. For the interim period, this is how we're going to award points to those guys. This is the formula. It's going to work for a short period of time until, you know, as in, but, like, in the negotiations, if that's what, what is actually happening, until this point happens, and then that's how we run it from there. But right now, but that's how you get them. Do you think it's fair that they would do that just for live? Like why would they do that just for live? Why would, why would they literally change everything they're doing in the way that things are set out for every golf tour in the world? Because, just it's, because it's real. Because it's happening. They're out there playing golf and they're... Yeah, but the, the PGA, the Champions Tour, as as Colton said today, the Champions Tour is there now. Mm -hmm. They're not getting world golf ranking points. Change it for them too. Them what about it. the amateurs? How do we give the amateurs world golf ranking points? So where, do the, I, I, where, where do the amateurs sit under OWGR? Don't they, aren't they under WAGR, WAGA points? Yeah, they sit somewhere else. Yeah. But, but, but again... I've heard a lot this week about the fact that Liv should be getting points because Brooks and Phil nearly won the Masters. Sam Bennett was nearly up there for a very long time as well. Does that mean he should get World Golf Ranking? Like, should he be sitting in the top 100 in the world? 
I'm not, I'm just playing devil's advocate, right? Like there's no good easy answer. Like I get what you're saying. I don't know that it's as simple as changing it all, but I think it's having a conversation about how we, how do we try to make this work, but it can't just be one way. It can't just be them changing the whole way world golf ranking to fit live. It can't work that way. All I'm saying is there are plenty of scenarios in, I know this is sport, but there are plenty of examples where interim, interim stages have been put in place to help placate both sides and then a full rollout has happened at a point in the future that would be one way of doing it it's not everyone's going to agree with it but you know as you know i'm fairly buoyant about the live concept you know i'm a supporter of it i like it i like watching it i've never said anything other than that so i just think i'm not i don't know everything you're saying is not not untrue right everything you're saying is true yeah, I can't agree that they should definitely be getting world golf ranking points based on what they're doing now. Like, there's, there's not, there's not enough, there's not enough proximity to the current rules to say, yep, you get them straight away. Let's change everything. It doesn't make any sense. And I mean, I'm not just picking on. I pick on the same people every time. James Piot, Chase Kepka. These guys don't, can't get, or never got PGA Tour cards, top tier tour cards. Yet they're going to be in a 48-man field where they're going to guarantee to get world golf ranking points as small as they will be because it's no cut. Yet some bloke who's Greg Chalmers, who's, I think he wrote today, he's missed 20-something cuts in the last whatever it was, he's not getting any. Like, that's not fair. I'm sure that there's a formulaic way to answer that very situation. You can, but that would mean changing everything for live, and that's not fair. Uh, my back, to term, my point, back to my point that live is it's existing so you've got the best players in the world playing golf no, no you don't let's be clear we don't have the best players in the world on live we've got a handful of players that well, are, yeah yeah you've got that yeah. are that are you've got a portion of the field you've got a portion of the field there that are always played at the upper end of the owgr and are now slipping away where so they're going to slip away anyway even if you gave them even if you gave them even if we said even if we did exactly the opposite of what I'm saying and gave them world golf ranking points from the day they started, they'd still be slipping away. doesn't matter. Because the, 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 the field that they have is not close to, wouldn't have warranted enough points to get enough points. And the guys that, the guys, what would have cooked them even further is the guys that are the top tier guys and just aren't playing well. And Cam Smith, yeah. Dustin Johnson, those guys aren't playing well. So they would have been holding it up and then they would have come down, which would have made it even worse. You, you can't fudge it on performance. You know, you can just basically, that would, that's absolute fact. You know, you, when you see Cam Smith, you know, well, he's top top 10 to the last couple of weeks, but yeah, there's a few of the others that, that have. But that's top 30 in a normal event. That's the point. Mm-hmm. So you've got 48 people versus 148 people. So a top 10 is a top 30. If he's running around top 30s on the PGA Tour, we wouldn't be talking about him. Do you know what I mean? I just, like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just, I'm, yeah. I understand. I understand. I'm just, I've only said that there's a way. There has to be. Yeah, absolutely. What, what, is your, what is your friends at Data Golf? What, they have a different, they have kept a uh, yep. ongoing. Yep, they do. How does, that, um, how does that stack up in your eyes? No, that, 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 that's, that, that, that has it all um, spelled out for sure. They've got everybody ranked. Hmm. So is there a way to rank everybody? Yes. Could you rank every player in the world and then base that on how to get into majors? Yes, you could. But seeing that the OWGR was set up 
in the eighties to drive how you get into majors, then stop stopping that to do something else is is not probably probably unlikely. Um, as of today, I can tell you because I've got it here. Uh, Cam Smith is ranked number eight in the world at the moment in OWGR. Mm-hmm. Uh, Data Golf has him ranked at number eighteen, right. based on um, his performance and the field he's playing in. And so he'll obviously drop as once he cycles his um, open win, he'll drop dramatically because the OWGR process and points changed at the start of this year. And so Cam would have got substantial points for the open last year. I don't know how it works this year, whether it'll be the same amount. Probably will be a little bit less, not sure. Um, but yeah, I think if I look at the live guys, um, so Cam's one, who we just said is is 18 on data golf and eight in the world, world golf rankings. Dustin is twenty on the on data on data golf, but seventy eight in the world golf rankings. Taylor Gooch is twenty one on data golf, but number sixty on the official world golf rankings. Uh, Neiman's twenty four and twenty six. So again, you've got one, two, three, four guys sitting in the top uh, twenty five, and then uh, Mito. Down at 29, and I'm just going to 29. First number is data. Second number is official world golf ranking. So 29 and 54. Paddy Reed, 33 and 46. Uh, Charles Howe, 36 and 368. Uh, Brooks Kepka is 37 and 39. So he's about right. Probably the one that I think most people would find interesting. And I did look at this the other day. I'm just going to try and find him now. Is Phil Mickelson. I'll say Peter Uline. Peter Uline's playing, I'll say, okay. He's number 73 on data golf. He's 467. Where do you reckon Where do you reckon Phil sits in data golf and where do you reckon he sits in the world ranking? Yeah, I don't know at all. I haven't had a look at it. So he's going to no, high, higher, ball, he's going to be higher in data golf and lower in the world golf ranking. I think that's right. I think that's right. I'm just trying to find him. I'm literally way down the list now. Like way down. I can't even find him. Uh, and he won a major only a few years ago. Matt Jones, 227 on data golf, 156 on official world golf rankings. Yeah, I don't know. Mike, uh, that's 28 minutes of us talking about world golf rankings. Let's talk about some other golf. We'll we'll come back to talk about Liv again uh, because there was obviously there was the Singapore event last weekend. Um but what else happened in the world of golf? We had a PGA Tour, uh, the, and, and the National Open. Mexico, National Open, yeah. The National Open of Mexico. We did. Um, it played out exactly how everyone predicted. Uh, there were two clear thoroughbred, thoroughbreds uh, in this field, and they were Tony Finau and John Rahm. I think everyone in the Teepster event that had one or the other played them. Played them. Um, I didn't have either, thankfully, so I got no points. Um it was look. It was just a, another event. Um, the course didn't look too bad. Um, There's a bit of a, a bit of a shootout late. I mean, twenty four under Tony Finau won comfortably from John Rahm. Good to see Tony win again. Um, Akshay Bhatia was in the final group. He, it was great, good to see him playing well. I mean, he's been a rocket um, from from nothing really. He's he's sort of really um for a twenty one year old. I think he's nearly twenty one. Um, your boy Smotherman was up there for a while, which was which was good. Um, Probably the one that I found the most interesting um, was um, a little story that came out of the Corn Ferry Tour two weeks ago. So there's a guy called Alejandro Tosti, 
who played uh, this week on the on the Mexican event. Blah, the week before, he played at the Lemcom uh, Sun Coast or whatever it's called. And um, as he walked off the 18th green, um, there was a he was then walking over to one. And uh, there's a, a post, a note posted at the start of the event saying um, there was a cart taking you, for, I think it was from seven green to eight T. There must have been a bit of a stretch there. It must have been a composite course or something. So um, he walked off the 18th green and had to t- go back and play the front nine because he was he started on, on 10 and um, saw a golf cart and said, are you taking players over to one? And they said, yep, jump in. So he and jumped in with the two playing partners and the caddies and uh, they went over to one and played on and found out. Uh, post round it, and no, that 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 what that cart wasn't there for that, and that person shouldn't have given you a lift there. And because the rules say you can't get into a cart, they got penalised. Um, so they got penalised, and um, probably did a fair bit of cash on the on the on the on the corn ferry event last week. This week, didn't 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 let him get any stride. Finished T10 this week, which was really really good, and probably second PGA Tour start this year, and T10 now gets him into the Wells Fargo. So he's gone from getting a, the wrong bloody, getting in a golf cart at the Corn Ferry event two weeks ago to this week playing in a field for $20 million prize money. So hopefully he uh, goes all right. How many Corn Ferry players got a, a, a you know, I was going to say a lift oh. into the into this event? Was it, There's quite a few, right? There would have been a few, yeah. I mean, it's a, because it's in Mexico and because it's the week before, I mean, we're three weeks out from the PGA Yep. Um, the pairs event was last week with most people try and take off elevated event for the Wells Fargo this week. Most people weren't going to Mexico. Um, so there would have been a fair few. I mean, I saw some of the people in the field. I think we talked about it last week. I mean, I, don't know, I think, um, Jeff Ogilvie was qualified. I don't know if he ended up teeing it up, but he was definitely qualified. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very weak field. Um, uh, but you got to play, you, you've still got to turn up and play. And yeah, the two guys that are the best were the best. I think it's, it's, it's a, it's probably, and again, I will talk a little bit later. It's probably been one of the things I've been interesting about live. Like I, I've said to someone the other day, like from a gambler's perspective, live is the hardest thing in the world to bet on because yeah. I would just think Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson would be at the top of the leaderboard every week, and they're just not. Um. So yeah. Anyway, sidebar back to live, but yeah. So it was a, it was a you know a very weak field. Um. Not, you know, that's the way it is. Um. Again, for the people that want to compare the live event versus the um. The Mexican event, absolutely, probably a much better leaderboard and field in live. But yeah, PGA Tour's got going to have to have some weak events. They're playing whatever they're forty five weeks a year. They can't be all uh, top of the pops. Yeah, so big tone. Uh, he quite often gets a whack around the golfing uh, tipping and talking circles. You know, not being able to finish out as much as his yeah you know, potential would suggest that he probably could or should. Um, it's great to see Big Tone, you know, after yeah. uh, full swing golf, you know, yeah. and the whole he had the whole family around him, the family running on the green, all that sort of stuff. It's, he's got about eighty seven yeah. kids, which is fantastic. He he's just a big kids. family man from, you know, Salt Lake City out in Utah. So obviously, you know, religion's a fairly strong part of his, um, you know, family uh, culture, and uh, you know, so they do did, they do things together. And, did you uh, see where he was after after he won? No, I didn't. Where was he? A few hours after, you know, did all the. Pomp and ceremony. The church? No. Nah. He yeah. was out with his kids playing nine holes, carrying their bag on the um on the nine hole course. So Mexico. What a guy. What a guy. What a, what a guy. Um he's won one what's he won? Uh, one, two, three, four times since 
July last year. He won four events. Data Golf has him up to number three in the world. His yep. official world golf ranking is 11. You take golf. If, if yeah, yeah. You, you would take it. You know, I know you were fairly buoyant on. Take his backswing. Like, yeah. Take his short, sharp hammer. <laughs> I was um, thinking about that today because uh, in the coverage, they were talking about his low hand position. You know, he's quite mm. obviously tall and athletic, low hand position, which he maintains in his putting stroke as well, which yeah. is interesting. He's probably one of his weaker points over the journey, especially in closing out events. Um, but yeah, that short athletic and he just clips it off the very shallow, shallows it out, clips it off the turf, not a huge turf interaction, the little abbreviated follow through. I did have a think about you, Mike, and your yeah. uh, backswing, I mean, which is yeah, about 87, 87 times longer than his. That's um, it. Great, John hold, great to hold out John Rahm. Um, yeah. The smart, the smart tippers that had already picked a Tony Finau or a John Rahm in this tipping season uh, we're on Akshay Bhatia. Um, oh, that was, I did see you picked him. That was a very good pick. I, I would never have picked that. Mm. Um, I, I think I tipped everyone that I was either going to pick Patrick Rogers, who finished 10th, or I was going to pick Gary Woodland, and guess which one I went with. Yeah, Gary I finished Woodland. 39 and got me $30,000. And one MC Hammond. With, stuck with, um, if I'd stuck with uh, Patrick Rogers, it would have been 179 oh, um, but, Woodland, Woodland didn't MC Hammond. No, he didn't. No, nah, he just, just squeaked yep. in. But we had about 75,000 people pick Tony Finau. So I do always read it out. So I will read it out again because some of you people here haven't had um, me call out your name yet. So Tony Finau pickers were Meg, Jim Jay, Dave Norstar, that's a mate of mine, The Kid, another mate of mine, who had a winner at Warnable Toast. Anyone who likes the horses, uh, the kid's a part owner and uh, one of the winners in the third race today. Well, I'll give his horse a shout out. What did it, what, I can't it? remember what it's called. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually a bunch of my mates and I'm in the group with them and uh, they put it out and said, we're going to buy these two horses. And I said, I don't buy horses anymore, but thank you. I spend my money on golf. Uh, only two of us said no. The other, I think 10 or 12 guys all bought into the horse. Uh, one of them won today down at Warnable. So the boys are very happy down at the Jumps Carnival. And the other one ran like, Fifth in the Sydney Cup two weeks. <laughs> so yeah, they they didn't need me carrying them. Um Shenry, Headrock three, Cheese Man, who is Cheese, mm. a Hoop 78, Lee 1149, KT, Chipper, Roe Adams, Lewis H, who is not Lewis Hamilton, Goffey, Loader, Liv 79. Um, he should just change his name to Live 79 Loader. Uh Golf is an attitude, another one who should change his name to Live. Um, Live Blakey, uh, DB Golf, Jamie Staten, Puck Puck, Nomadic Golfer, Abel Yam, and Joe Tolomeo, a very famous name from last t- season, Joe, who did very, very well. So a lot of people. I will mention one more person that picked second, John Rahm, uh, my mum. So my mum was very, very happy. Um, she pretty much <laughs> just wants to be me. So this is magic speed. <laughs> not far away. She's strategically tucked John Rahm away. When am I going to pull him out? Well, of course, I'm going to go with his other. Lang- home language-speaking country. Just slide him into the Mexican Open. If you, don't think, Mexican if you Open. don't think it's in the genes, this is this is no word of a lie. I spoke to my mum most every other day, and I spoke to her on maybe Sunday morning, and she said, um, oh, I can't sleep. I said, what's wrong? She said, oh, I keep waking up, checking the golf scores. <laughs> I said, are you serious? She said, yeah, I, I checked them. And and Ram was here, and and I went tried to go back to sleep, and he was seventh, and and then I waited fifteen minutes because I thought he would have played another hole, and then I checked again, and I'm like, you just got to just wake up tomorrow morning around seven thirty eight o'clock, and you'll see where he finished. Oh no, I can't do that. 
So she's not sleeping real well. She's very much into the um the Teepster competition. We'll have to get Mrs. Magic on one day for her take on Live PJ Tour and uh, all. <laughs> she already that, gave yeah. it to me. Oh, she's a massive Cam Smith fan. Oh, you, you wouldn't go. have seen it because she, she she was at um, when, it was when you were at Live. She yeah. um she sent me a message because I said oh you can watch she loves Cam Smith. I said you can watch Cam Smith. He's on Seven Plus this weekend. She's like oh yep cool I'm done. So I get a message on Friday. Oh, Cam Smith's good. Um, but I don't like all this music. It's too much. <laughs> So she didn't like the music and all the people talking, but she did like Cam, um, oh. and that didn't really. She said it got better over the weekend, but that, I don't, don't think she was in for the in for the songs. Um, before I forget, top five, uh, M Log Roscoe, you're down to fifth yeah. on eleven point two. Golfing Tattooist, eleven point five. Jim J up to third, eleven point six two. Lewis H eleven point six six, and KT jumps to the lead, twelve point seven million. Yep, KT, Carl, Tiamanis, uh, Big T, Big T Golf, Capital T, Big K, Special K. Uh, well done. Um, he's been letting me know that he was going to catch me, surpass me, and win the thing for a number yeah. of weeks, and he's certainly on the trend, he's trending. He's trending. The yeah. Big T. The Big T. Um, okay. So that was the, the Mexico Open. No, That was Mexico. So we may as well just roll from the Mexico Open and talk about what what are we going to talk about? We're well, talk about uh, the the Byron Nelson, or we'll come back. To I'll, we'll go, yeah, we'll come back to that in a minute. Um, okay. no, I really just I didn't watch too much of the Euro Tour, but Pablo Loazabo um, won again. Uh, I don't know how many he's won there. He's won a few. Um, he had a great week. Um, the course looked pretty nice in Korea. I, I I don't know. I don't remember whether they've played this this course before. Um, but yeah, I didn't mind the look of it. it looked a bit a little bit fancy, but um. Yeah, I was pretty hot on our boy Adrian Ronk, but he really capitulated in the final round. I don't know where he ended up finishing, but yeah, I thought I, I was really keen on him coming through and getting the win. But um, no, he went backwards at a, at a rate of knots in the final round. We did say last week, um, Ronk shot, uh, he shot 73 in the final round. We did say last week, David Michaluzzi was playing his first DP World Tour event, and we said he was going to get a top 20. We missed by one. He finished mm. 21st. Uh, second, uh, third round, 76, cooked him. Um, for him to have one poor round and finish there, I mean, he's seven shots out of the lead, which is not miles. He shot 76. Even if he shoots even past 72, he's comfortably in the top 10. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in his next start. Um, the other he's, one. His next start is the Byron Nelson. Okay. So we, I'm pretty sure that he's in the field. His management group got him an entry into the Byron Nelson. Um, okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that when he put out his uh, his playing schedule, um, was the Byron Nelson was part of that. When uh, can't, when's that coming up? I can't remember. Look it up. Um, yeah, no, he was a beat. Like he's, as we said last week, we we're going over it again, and we'll go over it as many times as it takes with Dave Mickelizzi because he former one number one amateur world golfer. Um, cut his teeth on some big amateur tournaments shoots eight nine under for fun around one of the tougher courses in on the sand belt and um you know won three times this year and won the order of merit you know he'll step onto the straight that straight onto that tour and you know he might have his off week but he he can he can post those scores all day long um on courses that he has or hasn't played before it doesn't matter he's just an awesome ball striker and a great golfer and Every every time he plays in a bigger event, he matures and gets a little bit better, gets a little bit more comfortable. And if I'm 
if I'm these players that are playing around him, you know, I've I've got one eye on on that young man because uh, his game's built for the big stage. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Byron Nelson's next week. So next week is uh, he'll be in the PGA Tour event. Uh, just week before the PGA Championship. And before I forget, move on for the Aussie golfers. Did you see what Elvis Smiley shot today in, up in um, Queensland? Mm, 58, 12 under. 58. Oh, there were days when I wouldn't shoot that for nine. That's ridiculous. Um, um, Southport golf, was it? Southport, I think it was, Southport, yeah. So yeah. near the Gold Coast, I'm guessing. I don't, I did, don't know the course, um, which is yeah, a bit different. Um not bad. Like left a uh, beautiful golf swing, beautiful ball struck. It just mm. very, very lefty. Know, lefty. Um, when you see for all the Clayton fans out there, when you go and see Elvis play in one of the Australian tournaments, you know it's always pretty much going to be Mike Clayton on his bag, and uh, Clayton just gets around there and he's been looking after Elvis for a while, as he has done with many of the up and coming young talent, either as amateurs uh, through the game with Jeff Ogilvy or now caddying for uh, Elvis does a great job supporting, you know, the development of Australian uh, golf uh, does Mike Clayton along with Jeff Ogilvy. Um, yeah, sorry. There you go. Sidebar. Well, sidebar into another Aussie who had a win this week. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that was such a good finish to a tournament. I don't know. Did you get to watch any of it? No, all? I didn't. No, I didn't. I, I was Monday. Monday for me uh, oh, is driving into the city and then doing golf shop business. Uh, you know, paying wages, uh, doing rosters, all that sort of stuff. All the fun um, stuff. Yeah. Um, well, for those that missed it, I don't think many of you did. Hannah Green won uh, in LA at, uh, what's the course they're called? Um, Rocket's going to kill me. Wilshire. Wilshire Country Club, that's correct. Um, I think Hannah had finished second and third or third and second in her last two starts here. We've said it before, Aussies love the West Coast and Hawaii. But we just play well there. I don't know why. The, the greens and everything suits. I'm not sure what it is, but we do play well there. Um, Hannah Green, Ziyu Lin and Adi Ashok, Aditi Ashok, all made birdie on the final hole, 72nd hole tournament, all to finish at nine under and go into a playoff. Par three, final hole. So it was a really, really interesting um, playoff. I, I think I tweeted something about it. I don't love par threes as, a, as an 18th hole on a golf course, but when you've got a... I don't know how far it was. Let's just say it was a 140-meter, 135-meter par three to play off with a really cool, funky green. That was so good because um, the pressure was on straight from the tee box. And, um, yeah, Yu Lin hit quite a nice shot into the par three, uh, ended up maybe 12, 13 feet right. Oh, sorry, I should say Hannah Green's putt to get into the playoff. It was probably about 40 feet. It was amazing to get there in the first place. So she was about 12, 13 feet right, uh, Aditi Ashok hit one in um, straight at the flag, probably came up about, I don't know, 13 feet short. I might have those two around the wrong No, that's right. And then um, Hannah Green, third off the tee in the playoff, absolutely sends one to five feet, four feet. Like as soon as she hit it, you're like, she can't miss that. She, she's, she's, she's in for birdie. The other two are going to need to drain theirs to keep this playoff going. Uh, the Indian girl... Uh, she just lipped out, so she gave it a little bit too much heat, lipped out off the left edge, and the other um, Chinese girl made her. So um, Ziyu Lin and Hannah went back to the tee. Uh, Lin teed off first, put it in the right pot, was always going to be a really tricky up and down. It was a little bit of funny stance, sort of up on the up on the upslope. Um, Hannah didn't hit as good a shot in the first time as the first time around. She probably hit it to about 30 feet. Um, Lin hit it out. 
probably only got inside of Hannah by about a foot and a half and hit it up to about a foot. And then, yeah, Lynn had to basically make hers to keep it going, and she missed. So, yeah, Hannah Green tapped in for the win. It was really good to see. She was very, very emotional. I think she must have had a bit of a, a tough 12 months. Um, I think she probably mentioned something about possibly thinking she might not have a win here after a second and a third, but had played really, really well. Um, it was really, really good to see. She was right around the top of the leaderboard all week. I think every time I turned on the LPGA this week, she was she was right up there, and it was really, really good to see. And so it was Sarah Kemp finished T13, and even... Um, Minji was right up there. She fell fell away over the, the final three rounds. But yeah, 65 in round one, Minji was right at the top. Uh, congratulations to Hannah Green and uh, the partner of um, Jared Felton. So they make a great dynamic uh, golfing couple. I'm sure that they are both celebrating. I'm not sure where Feltz is at the moment. If he's in Europe, uh, final stages somewhere other than might be, I'm not sure where they are. Hopefully they were together to uh, celebrate that great win. Mm. For a, a young star, she's a great golfer and uh, and won't be the last time we'll see Hannah Green uh, winning major champion, of course, as we know. Um, she's got a long future ahead and she'll uh, she'll be the better for that win. And, um, you know, getting those feelings off off the back that she can win on the big stage again and she'll do it again. Um, Mike, uh, just sidebar again, Dave Micka, uh, Mikaluzzi will have, have a start in the AT&T Byron Nelson and also the Memorial. Okay, so not trying the memorials, but might be. I was very shocked. I just looked it up, but I'm, I thought the memorial would have been a. Um, sorry, I, I thought the Byron Nelson would have been an elevated event, but it's not. It's only, it's only for nine and a half million. Um, not sure when the memorial is, but I want to say it can't be too far after. Uh, memorial is June, first week of June. So that's cool. an elevated event, twenty million. So fingers crossed you can at least make the cut there and bank a fair chunk of change. That will be that's uh, next level test uh, testing the metal for the young fella from uh, Melbourne's southeastern suburbs. Mike, what have we got left? Uh, Steve Alka had a win on the PGA Tour Champions um, using Tour Edge. He's a Tour Edge user. I, I saw or read somewhere. I've just got a new review coming out tomorrow on the Drum and Golf YouTube channel of the new C and E seven two three irons. Spent a couple of days filming that and. Putting myself in front of the camera, not my uh, not my comfort zone, but uh, they pay me, so I do it. Um, yeah, so he's, Stephen he's a, Elka. I mean, you, we can pretty much just put that on loop. He's he's a freak. Um, <laughs> what he's doing on the senior tour mm. is extraordinary, and I don't just mean because it's extraordinary that he's winning, but it's not like the guy was a bad golfer. But he's normal. He's he's we'll call it normal professional career. He he won tournaments, I'm guessing, but. I mean, he's winning these in a clip. Like, mm. if you look at the rest of the leaderboard this week, the guys behind him, Steve Stricker, Colin Montgomery, David Toms, Matt Gogol, my mate Bob Estes, Ernie Els, and the mechanic Miguel Angel Imenez, right? Of the names that I just mentioned, anyone who's ever touched golf would know 75% of those. They probably don't know Matt Gogol, Bob Estes, and, and Stephen Elka. And they probably know him now because he keeps winning every bloody week on the, on the Champions Tour. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, and everyone likes to have, well, I'm going to say everyone, but I've heard, you know, a few people that watch golf at that level have a little bit of a clip of, you know, Stephen Ocker going, I don't understand, you know, he was never that good. How is he winning? But he uh, shuts him up by his uh, golfing scores and actions because he's uh, got the job done again. The Kiwi, uh, so, you know, we'll claim, what can we claim that as a, as a, as a across-the-ditch Aussie win? Yeah, not yeah really, of course. But, Why not? Absolutely. But, well, yeah. he's played, um, he's had... Four international wins. He's had, uh, what's he won here? 
He's had 38 events on the Champions Tour and he's won six times. That's believable. Good ratio. That's, that's <laughs> fantastic. I'm not quite that quick to work out the percentages, but uh, it's... Um... Oh, so it's, it's nearly a sixth, just yeah. under. So, yeah, unbelievable stuff. Great to see. That's right. Um, six, I do like the six, fact that... Six sixes are 36, yeah. Sorry. Correct. Yeah. I do like the um, part that it says cuts made 38 of 38. I don't think Champions Tour has cuts. So that's a really good stat, PJ Tour. <laughs> Thanks for updating us on that. World ranking points. Give them to them. That's uh, it. Right. And so, there you go. Straight, that's a perfect lead-in. Uh, well, I'll start the discussion around leave because it's going to be a bit longer than that one. Um, I've got to say last week, I've got to apologize, Mike. i got to apologize to you and maybe apologize to the listeners because... You know, last week I got on and just had a absolute download of the wonderful time that I had uh, at a golf tournament. I was out in the open air, I was taking photos, doing all that wonderful stuff, and I had a great time. And I just dumped that all on you, Mike. And uh, as was referenced to me uh, outside of our Discord channel, um, Phil said Mike was very quiet last week. He didn't really chime in too much with the live chat. Uh, even your mate Loder um, is very... You know, live low to live. Um, live. Yeah, you know, said Mike was <laughs> pretty quiet, but I've got to take responsibility for that because I just probably pretty much regurgitated all of the good stuff that I experienced. Um, you know, is there anything that you needed to you know, re- record, retort, retort, or is anything? No, you want to talk no, about not at all. No, in? I think. Um, no, I think it was clear you had a good time. You told me that beforehand. I think it was. I think probably more people didn't. I didn't know what to ask you. Is the honest answer? Um, so, like, you know, I think, I think, um, I, I, as I kept saying last week, I wasn't there, so I don't know. Like, I don't. I, I, I'd seen. I probably saw uh, five minutes on TV plus the highlights. Um, watched a bit more of it this week than I did last week because I just didn't have time because I was, I was in Perth. So, um, I, I guess I, I did want to say, it, you know, it didn't it lacked a little bit of that whole. Yeah, we are not media journalists. We are not journalists. We are golf lovers. This is the my love of golf podcast. So we're not journalists. The, if you want a journalistic approach to uh, the analysis of live uh, and, and its impact and the and the strengths and all of that sort of thing, go and listen to our good friends over at the Good Good Golf Podcast with uh, Adrian Logue, uh, Rod Murray, and Jimmy Emanuel, and and they peel all that back and you know talk about it and you know. Rod Murray is one of the great journalists of Australian golf and he writes very objective pieces. Um, listen to them. I just downloaded the fun stuff. So it lost a little bit of that whole. I think I think probably the only question that I thought of post that we didn't talk about, mm-hmm. and it was one of the questions that came from the Discord, was around what's it going to do for impacting to, I don't think we talked about it, um, local golf, Aussie golf. Are people going to get more involved? Will it put more golf clubs in people's hands? Um, I did do a double take. I played um, played Sunday. Uh, out at Ainsbury and uh, Cheese and I and um, as I was walking at, at the halfway house to get something to eat there was a bloke walked past me in his um, I'll say it was a Ripper's hat I don't know it was definitely a live hat but I didn't know I think it was the Ripper's um, you know proudly proudly wearing his team colours um, and I was surprised not surprised I shouldn't say surprised but like, I just didn't know when I was going to see someone wearing the, the merch because obviously as you said there was a lot of people um, getting involved that buying stuff when, when they were there um, but yeah, do I think do for me, I'll speak to it first and then you can tell me what the facts are because you were there. Um, do I think more people will get involved in it, uh, in golf because of Adelaide? Not sure. I think it'll take, take time. I think I sort of, I actually think of it a little bit like the, um, 
Two down under. The two down under in Adelaide is a massive cycling event. It's huge. It's a party atmosphere. Not not quite the same party as drinking out of shoes. But it's a big event and it's a worldwide sport and people descend on Adelaide every year for it or did pre-COVID at least anyway. And I sort of put it in that, do, do I think people go there and enjoy it and then it get more people cycling? Don't know. I don't know whether this will be similar. So I'm not, not sure whether it will do it in that way. But do I think more people over time, if it continues for, say, five, ten years in the same place, um, attending and then getting more people involved and then it growing uh, organically from there? Possibly. Certainly possible. Um, but I don't know that it's going to... I don't know that in Australia, I think what's already happening with people getting involved in golf is going to happen and I don't know that it's going to be super added to by the live event or any golf event in Australia. There's, there's a couple of things that I I want to talk to and I can sort of give you my sort of feedback a week after uh, the event and obviously we've had another event in region directly the, the week after, if you call sort of Singapore in our region, I would say it is. Um you know, anecdotally, I've never experienced as much chat around um, a golf event in a golf retail environment as I have the few days that I spent in the golf store post in this last week. Um, probably Cam Smith's win at the Open last year had uh, drew enough, drew as much um, attention and people wanted to talk about golf in a positive way and how good it was. Uh, anecdotally, um, I spoke to the store owner at, uh, in Adelaide. I had to, uh, you know, I met some people over there and a couple of them wanted to be teed up with golf clubs, um, that I knew through soccer and other golf stuff. And I just teed them up with him. I said, how, how you been? This is a couple of days post. And he said, mate, it's been absolutely flat out. We've been inundated with people buying package sets. Now a package set in, in my world is one of these bundled Callaway, TaylorMade, Tour Edge, Cobra, power built sets that they bundle up. And, you know, it's a driver fairway hybrid set of irons, a putter and a bag. And it's 13, 14, 15, 16, 1800 bucks, you know, which represents pretty good value as opposed to going and spending five grand on all the latest Callaway Paradigm gear or whatever you choose. So when you get a rush of business on that type of end of the market, you know, you know, people are walking going, I don't have clubs or I've got. You know, usually goes something like this. G'day, mate. How are you going? Yeah, good. Look, I'm just getting into golf. Uh, all I've got is me dad's set that he gave to me when I was a kid. And, you know, they're too short for me. And I've got to get a set of, set of, set of kit. You know, I've got to get it kitted out. And a lot of times those conversations generically end up towards these package sets because, you know, you can somewhat fit them and, and they do the job. The skill levels are emerging skilled golfers and they buy that sort of stuff. So when someone's telling me that, they're in that place where that event was and they're having that sort of influx as a short-term thing. It has to be on the back of that. It doesn't happen any other way. Um, so that's what I heard. They're the two things that I would say has it impacted. The other things that I've heard is, you know, the other barometer in this um, neck of the woods, I, the mile of golf uh, HQ here is the barbershop. The boys on C's barbershop in Mount Eliza is a great barometer for how the men of the world are sort of viewing things. And obviously, as many of them know that I'm in golf, golf podcast, you know, because Mrs. My Love Golf is a great promoter um, of the podcast to in the ear of all the people that she's not, uh, that she's cutting their hair off. People going up to her asking, oh, did your husband go to live? How was it? I watched it. It was great. 
old, young, all of that sort of thing. So that's just the three areas of my world that I've been involved with. And it doesn't happen like that on a regular week. That's no, no. I, all of that I'd agree with. I think the question would be, and this is not, yep. no, not even sustainable. Like I think that next year when they hold the event, it'll be bigger because it's like the gather round, the footy, the AFL yep. footy that was two weeks before, the week before. 300,000 people went this year. There'll be 600 next year. It'll be yep. bananas. And I would yep. say that Live will sell out faster next year than it did this year. Absolutely no doubt. But I would ask is do you think many people that went watched Singapore? Or do you think they'd be following it moving forward? Or is it more this is a big event that we want to get involved with and then I'll buy clubs or play golf or I haven't played in ages? Do you think they'll continue following it? Or oh, that's yeah. a bit on. I don't know that there's a link there, but well, I think there's a link to a big event that might get people doing more don't know don't know yeah i'm I'm not i'm not the expert on how people behave and how they absorb media and take it in and how they engage with it post you know that first event interaction but i think as we know using formula one as a as an example you know like 15 years ago when i first went to the first formula one you know it was like a white elephant 20 years ago sorry it was a white almost a white elephant you know not many people went and and look now it's sell out it sells out and you know, I used to go to most of them because I was working in that industry and we saw it grow and grow and grow and the participation, the involvement and the interest kept growing. So I think once people sort of adopt something as I'm interested in this, the interest in the media side of it, you know, and the, and the show side of it continues to grow. And I think, I think these new golfers have experienced live golf in Adelaide for the first time. Maybe they've been to another tournament or not you know we saw the australian open there was a fair crowd there as well um i think they will maybe not as you know at 100 percent adoption but if they get the golf club in their hand if they start going out with their mates and it just snowballs from there i think they will um like it keep yeah keep playing but do you think they'll keep following live well i think they will i think okay. i think they will i you know as a, uh, and i think Sorry if I didn't make sense then, but they might not all jump into Singapore straight away and sit down for the three days of the event and watch every minute of it, but they'll they'll engage with it more than they would have in the two weeks before that, before they went to yeah, Adelaide. Of course. Yeah, no and, and as they keep playing golf and as they sort of move around with the cohort of golfers that uh, as it grows, they will. Now, this as it grows part is the, you know, talking about the media side of it, you know, like there's an article that I read to... Uh, maybe it was Rod Murray's article and he's, he's sort of saying that, you know, why do we, why is golf not good enough to be a product to, you know, be stand on its own legs and be enjoyable enough in the four hours that it takes and all that sort of thing. Why does it have to be quicker and faster and louder and all that sort of thing? And he wasn't having a go at live. That wasn't the thing, but I just think that, um, you know, live, live is out there because, and it's so bullish and they paid heaps of money. You know, there's no showing away from the amount of money that these people have thrown at it. But when you start a new product, a new project, a new brand, a new business, I can only equate it to the one experience I've had of doing that. Maybe two, you know, when we started in a car brand, Infinity Car Brand, you know, they threw heaps of money. They said they basically said, guys, there's your office over there. You've got 12 months. Here's some money. Build us a car brand. Okay. And six of us, that three of us worked from BMW, three of us worked for Mercedes, and two, um, away we went. And 12 months later, we had dealerships. We had car brands chucked out of dealerships. We went in there pretty bullish and spent some money, built the brand, 
dragged the people in, got the database and kept going with it. Now, Liv won't pull away from doing that. We pulled away from it. What happened was once the, once the money dried up, you know, we spent all the money and this wasn't just in Australia, it was around the world for this particular car brand. What happened? The business plan didn't grow at the scale that they needed. The money had ran out and all of a sudden there was no, they didn't build the interest in the brand. And what happened with to infinity around the world outside of the American market where it was established, they stopped. They said, right, that's it. They pulled the, the stickers off the side of the formula one cars. And they said, we're scaling back infinity. We're just going back to the American market and the Japan market. And that's it because they didn't keep investing at the way that they needed to build the brand. That's what Liv's model is. Yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, if they want to throw money at it forever, they can, because we know they've got as much money as they would possibly ever need. I think, and again, I'm not an expert in it, but from my knowledge of this is the crux of it really, like for me, Liv, Liv's doing what it's doing and it's, it, it is where it is. I don't, I don't think it's what they probably set out to do. I think what they, in a perfect world, um, they would have had, you know, 10, 12 teams, whatever it is, 15 teams. And the 15 teams, each team is number one through 15 of the official world golf rankings um, because no one said no to the money. Like that's the honest answer, right? If no one said no to the money, um, you know, team Tiger Woods, team Phil, team Dustin Johnson, team Cam Smith, forget the, 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 the line to um forget the line to countries imagine you had the best 15 players in the world properly doing a draft and picking their teams and playing around the world that's mm. that that is exactly what we want the problem is park the politics over here the problem is yeah really two guys went out of the top 15 we'll call it um and so that that, that that's where the, the tricky part's going to be is is there going to be a point where Liv head office says, you know what, this isn't what we wanted to do. It's not quite ticking the boxes. We're turning off the tap, either make it work or don't. Because effectively, the, the brand plan that they've picked up, which is, I can't remember the guy's name that, that drew up the plans. It wasn't a Liv idea. It was whoever, their idea. But they, they basically... PGL. PGL, sorry, yeah. Effectively, you need to sell those teams, right? So say now... Um, they're trying to build equity in Range Goats, right? So Range Goats has equity. Um, they can live can sell that to Calumet Golf Adidas, whoever it is. Right now, that's got a value on it of X, and it's good. But then a lot of the teams wouldn't have as much value because they're not going as well as that team or whatever it is. So if you had the top fifteen players in the world, and you're guaranteed to have the top fifty players every single week, whole different value, whole different scale. I'm not tipping in anywhere near as much to keep this thing going. And that's where the crux is going to be because they're clearly just not going to get those guys or, you know, they might get some other guys, who knows, but they're not going to get all of them. And then it's, is this going to be what we want or are we going to be happy with where with or, or, or don't know? Maybe it goes the same way as infinity. Who knows? I mean, we just don't know. And everyone's just guessing, including me for the last two minutes, but it's just one of those things. It's, it's just who knows. And at the moment, I think I've said this about a thousand times in this podcast. If they want to keep doing what they're doing, tipping money into it, go nuts. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I don't know. Sure, if that. Uh, I apologise for going on a rant last week and just saying all the good stuff. Uh, it, it wasn't was a rant. It was just a download. Yeah, it was download. But yeah. anyway, um, clearly I'm, still, clearly I'm still fairly buoyant about it. You know, I I watched the highlights of Singapore. I didn't watch it live. I was working. Um, 
Yeah, I watched a I watched a little bit. Um, I thought the course, that Santosa course it looks fantastic. The sidebar, it looked okay. I, I don't know. I know Blakey said it was an amazing course. It's, it's I don't know. TV maybe doesn't do it as much justice, and it's on the port there, and um, you now the ships come past in the background and bits and pieces. I still, and again, I'm not. This is not a picking on live. I still really struggle watching. Uh, maybe it's because it's the way I've always watched golf, but I really struggle to get a handle on the story, like. Because everyone's on different parts of the course, I really like the idea of, I know Taylor Gooch is leading and he's in the last group, so he starts on one. But if someone's going through this really cool stretch of this great path three into that path five, I kind of know what's coming. And so I know, oh yeah, well, when he gets to here, this is going to happen. But it's like, it moves around to all parts and all holes. It's like, I really struggle to get the mental picture of the course. And I, mm-hmm. it, it really, I'm not going to say, the track's not the word from watching it, but it it makes me struggle a bit. I don't know if anyone else it finds it the same, but um, yeah, I really struggled to get a feel for the for the layout. But it's not not just not just um this event like all the all the live events. I just I just battled a little bit with that. But um, yeah, Taylor Gooch. I mean, we talked about him way before live. I mean, he was in some of our picks for a long time. I remember winning a substantial amount of money on him. Might have been a U.S. Open or whatever it was. Like he, he was a talent. He's still a talent. He's a very, very good golfer. I think whenever we've listed, or for me at least, I've listed the seven, six or seven guys that that are missing that are on the live tour from the from the world golf environment, or you know whatever you want to call it, PJ Tour or DPL Tour. Taylor Gooch is on that list, a hundred percent. It's DJ, it's Cam Smith, it's Answer, it's Neiman, it's it's Taylor Gooch. You know what I mean? Like that that guy. And Mito Pereira, they're probably the six. He he is a very, very good golfer and he's proven it. And like I said before, I think seeing him play well for two weeks in a row, what I would expect. They, they, he should be in the top two or three of these events every week because there's a lot of guys on this list that he should be beating the brains in off. And I'm probably a bit disappointed Cam Smith doesn't do it and DJ doesn't do it. Um, Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I did watch a bit. Um, he won. He won. Um, he won. Uh, I won't say he won comfortably. It was pretty tight, pretty much all, all the way through. He ended up beating Sergio in a playoff. Sergio won the last event. Uh, DP World Tour played at this course uh, a few years back, and he won the last time they played there. Or maybe he, it wasn't the last time he didn't won one of the other ones there. Singapore Opens. Um, Brooks had another good week. Finished uh, T oh, three. Finished third. T three. Um, yeah. So it'd be interesting. I think. It's going to be a funny few weeks. Um, they go back to the States in a couple of weeks and then the PGA Championship, I believe, is the week after. So I think um, there'll be a lot of live lovers like Blakey and um, Lotes sitting there praying these guys have another good major. Um, and there'll be a lot of PGA Tour lovers that'll be hoping they all miss the cut at the PGA. I just think it'll be interesting to watch um, how they all go. I'm not sure haven't had a deep dive into the course yet, so I'm not sure what, sure what sort of golfer it suits. But um, Brooks is clearly playing well. Um, Taylor Gooch is definitely playing well. Uh, and Cam Smith's, you know, somewhere in the middle. Uh, feedback from Blakey was that it was very, very hot. Obviously, they were concerned about the weather alerts that they get, the storms in the afternoon up there in the equator in Singapore. So they had a couple of weather delays. They teed off early in the morning because of the... To ensure that they get done. Finale. 8 a.m. Yeah. So yeah. 
you know, a lot of people talk about crowds, you know, the, the expectation was, will they get the crowds again? You know, that we'll wait and see what happens, how successful this, this loop thing is. You know, if they don't get the crowds in Singapore, then we know that, you know, it's no good, but it's only Adelaide, you know, those crazy guys. Well, you know, to that effect. Uh, I thought the crowd looked fairly substantial um, out on course. Uh, what I'm led to believe by a couple of people that were there, there were a lot of corporate marquees built and being air conditioned, they were pretty full. Uh, there were a lot of expats there, a lot of Australians, a lot of New Zealanders, a lot of uh, people that base themselves out of Singapore in the various um, markets, financially or otherwise, that emanate out of Singapore. So I, I thought um, that the lead players or the key players had looked like they had a fair yeah, number it, of people around them. I think it's going to be the same for most of the time. Look, it clearly wasn't many on course. It was, like you said, very, very hot. Um, uh, lots of expats. I had a few mates there that were following Cam Smith and Brooks around one of the rounds. Um, they're going to get out there. Mad Aussies don't care. Um, bit like you hadn't seen golf in a while. Yep. Um, I think that anyone who's saying if they're not getting the, I think that anyone that's saying if Liv's not getting massive massive crowds at Singapore or Tulsa are mad. It doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't matter. Maybe at the yes. end of the day. Maybe no, 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 no. People would definitely have said it. Hundred. Yeah. You, you're right, right. But in the same way, people that are saying. Adelaide is proof that this is working and this is going to be like this forever are also wrong. Like it's somewhere in the middle. At the end of the day, there's good things and bad things and, and tough things and, and easy things that are going to come uh, from this. It's a new thing. Um, that They've got a winner in Adelaide or an event in Australia forever, forever in a day. As much as, as long as they want to hold one here, it's going to work. Um, I think by the time they get back to the States and in that time zone, it will be probably telling on how it's going because they've had some poor events um, early on when they get back to that time zone it'll be very interesting to see like is it still sort of low low turnout to tulsa dc um then they go to spain valderrama so um yeah i i I don't know i mean it doesn't matter at the end of the day um there are people that are going to be very for it and very very, people very against it i think it's just time will tell uh back to blakey um did you see him on TV? You wouldn't have. Did you see him? No, on I didn't. Uh, I saw his screen. I think I saw his screenshot or his picture that he shared, but I didn't see that bit. No. So the uh, the world went wild with the uh, Brooks Kepka two hundred club uh, drop, according to David Ferrity. Um, I think it was quite technical, but Brooks got some relief from some TIOs, which wouldn't have appeared to be obvious to if you're on the ground. Um, but I think it was a situation where, and Blakey didn't explain it because he's still away. I haven't spoken to him. He's still in Singapore uh, having a break. But, um, you know, it's one of those situations. Once you take relief from something and find your nearest point, then that another situation was in in the way. So you get relief from that, which meant, you know, you got several periods he, of relief. Was this Blakey doing it? Yeah, he was the, the oh, one there oh, with Brooks. Dodgy, the... old dodgy Blakey, eh? <laughs> old live Blakey helping out his yeah, mates. Just helping out Brooks. If this was uh, the P- if this was the uh, Aussie Open, he would have just told him to play it as it was, champ. Well, that's the whole reason why our main Blakey's at live <laughs> because he wasn't getting the opportunity to be at the Aussie Open. Uh, that's there you go. He's uh, he's a live employee. Um, so there you go. But uh, yeah, Blakey was on TV there with uh, with Brooks. Um, he was on the spot. It was interesting. They get they get allocated a series of holes. So. Uh, it's like a white. It's got, you know, a handful of referees from different parts of the world. There's some guys off the Asian tour, some guys uh, that were American and got and, and Blakey, and they all get uh, a section of holes to to look after, and they're all connected up, and they've got their hooters there, and they blow the horns to start play and do all that sort of stuff. You know, Blakey was also on the tee blowing his horn. Might have ran out of gas. Um, that's yeah. why. That's a picture I saw. 
anyway, it's good to see the young fella. It's good to see the young fella out there working and doing what he loves. So can't hold that against him. He's out there cracking on. Uh, what else, mate? What else? That's it. That's all I got. I can't think of anything else this week. I don't think, unless you got something else. I play uh, golf. I told you that. Cheese, cheese beat me by one shot at Ainsbury. This really? is very disappointing. He, uh, cheese is cheese was off seventeen daily, and I was off nine. And uh, he he birdied two of his first three. Oh, so how happy do you think I was? Not very. So he he, he was uh, playing some good golf, and I wiped the two easiest holes on the course, as I said I would before I got there. So um, before um, Jamie calls in and says, well, that's why you wiped them. I know, Jamie. I know that's why I wiped them because I talked myself into it before I got there. But yeah, 36 I had, 37 he had. So he's um, he came in a little bit and I dropped into the eights, which is nice. Um, so it's continuing to go in the right direction, which is good. Yeah, good. Uh, no, I didn't play. Uh, I went to the chipping green. Uh, I hit about 20 chips at uh, Peninsula Kingswood. Still got it. Still um, got it. Still good. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, there was something I was going to say. Uh, cheese beat you. Is he still hitting those uh, big left to right? Uh... He's not hitting driver too often. Right. And the only time he hits it is he hits a he hits a pure four iron, and he only hits driver when I say if you pull that four iron out, I'm going to belt you because he's got to, <laughs> he's got to get used to hitting it, and he has to go and get lessons with it. Uh, he's just been been uh, struggling with it on and off. So um, he yeah, hasn't been hitting it too often, but uh, it didn't hurt him on the weekend. Yeah, I think he had uh, what do you have thirty seven points comfortably. So mm. good, uh, good on you, Cheese. Good on you, uh, Mike. Well, that's it. Uh, it's an hour and sixteen of us talking about golf uh, because we love it, and if oh. you do too. Oh, sorry, we forgot. <laughs> we forgot that there's a PGA Tour event this week. Oh, so there is. Sorry, just very quickly, only because people will. Want to know the picks and the data lake and all that sort of stuff? So, well, if you if you're in the Discord channel, you never miss it's out. It's already on the there, data lake, so it's nah, already there. It's already there. Um, big big event this week. So, elevated event Wells Fargo or designated event, whatever they how call we, it. How do we forget the Wells Fargo to a minute six, a hour sixteen? I know, in. I know. Oh, you know, talked about live for too long. Um, Rory, who Rory owns this place. Um, in the last sort of twelve years. He's finished 5th, 1st, 8th, 16th, 4th, 1st, 8th, 8th, 10th, 2nd, 1st, and 1 miscut. That's a lot of top 10s. Um, he's a favourite at $9, so good luck to him. He's not going to be my pick, but if you've got him, I can guarantee a lot of people will be using him this week in the Teepster competition. Uh, the top 15 in the Data Lake are Max Homer, Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finau, Jason Day, Matt Fitzpatrick, Patrick Rogers, Wyndham Clark, Xander Shoffley, Taylor Moore, Saif Fagala, Sanjay M, Tyrell Hatton, uh, SH Kim, Jordan Spieth, and Adam Schenk. Um, for me, I'm going to be tossing a coin between the two blokes. Well, I'm either going to put a little bit of money on Jason Day or Matt Fitzpatrick, or I'll just set fire to the cash because they'll probably all get me the same result. Okay. Why is John Rahm pulled out? Um, so he's missing his designated event. I think they're allowed to miss one. And I'm actually interested to see, once they get on course, I'm guaranteed when Rory McIlroy's um, press conference, they will be asking why he missed two designated events. Um, so I'm interested to hear what it was. Maybe he just missed it. Maybe he just, oh, just didn't play. Take the pit money off me. I don't care. Um, but yeah, so John Rahm, he... He was a um, uh, he won the Mexico Open last year, and he wanted to make sure that he defended 
down in Mexico. And well, so he won the Masters and then he was playing up in, um, was it Harbour Town or wherever they played? Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to cancel that, even though he probably could have. No one would have got angry at him, but he's like, people are coming to this event to watch me and I'm not coming. Um, that would be a bit, bit not right. So he, he played that one and then he didn't play the pairs event. And then he said, I'll play Mexico because I want to make sure I defend because, you know, he had a bit of a, even though he's Spanish, he has, he has, um, feels like he has a connection to the, the South America. So he played that. And then, yeah, he said, this is, I'm not playing this event because he needs to have a break because, yeah, the PGA is what, three weeks away. So just pick this week to miss. Okay. As you can when you're the uh, reigning master champion. Well, Herbie's not playing either. Really? Herbie, Herbie gets in, and I don't know why he's not playing. I think Herbie had a little visit back to Australia in between after uh, Japan. I think he went to Japan, came back to Bendigo. He did. You're right. I saw him putting his trophies up. So, but yeah, tro- I'm, I'm sure he gets into this. Are the trophies that he put up the picture of, because he had a few holes with uh, Kieran, um, are the trophies in America or they're in Bendigo? Where he's uh, deep mm, Good question. Thing. Don't know. Hmm. I saw go. Min Woo's in Melbourne. Saw that too. Where's he playing? Where was that? Where was that course? Was it? Wasn't Pete? Couldn't know. Wasn't. Couldn't work it out. No, I was trying to figure it out as well. It looked a bit of a little sandy wasteland, and it looked looked like a nice track, but I, I, I couldn't. Maybe it was the well. um. Maybe it was the uh, performance center at Sand Sandringham. That's where I think he was practicing. Yeah. Oh, where he, he was playing? He was playing today with um. I didn't uh, see that. He was playing today with Christian Petraka. Um, Stephen May and someone else, a couple of the Melbourne boys. I thought it was PK. I could be that, wrong. That quite popular. The, the, the only part that threw me was the little sandy wasteland. Didn't I didn't play the North Course the last time we were down there, but I don't think it was a North Course. I don't know. Well, if you're playing with Maisie, Maisie is a member at uh, PK. Cause I... Oh, then that's probably where he was. Maybe you just need to take me to the North yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. it's one way of saying that it's there North Course. Um, yeah, no, that's the, uh, uh, that's the 50 on the there North you go. Course. There you go. Oh, well, so... Maybe you should Thanks, get me and, me and cheese down there, and you can cheese che- uh, cheese cheese's uh, butter cuts or whatever you think, <laughs> whatever he was hitting last time we were in Barn Burgle. Um, Thanks, Minworth. Thanks for the call up to to play at my course with uh, the, the, <laughs> with Maisie. Thanks, Maisie. Thanks for the inv- invite, Maisie. Yeah, good on you. Um, very good. Uh, okay, we're done. That's it. You can okay. find a winner out of those ones, Ross. Mike, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in wherever you are around the country. Uh, Appreciate all the support and uh, like, share, subscribe. And uh, we'll see you next week on the Mile of God podcast.